0: Tavheikislev, Tavshin Ayin Tet, first night, first light, first candle of Chanukah. Tavshin Ayin Tet, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network.
1: So Yeshuati akti le khanael yeshab akh le khanael shabe dikon bistefilati bisham do denez akh Ale Schade, ach, die
0: Another Hanukkah season is upon us, and uh, as we approach this new Hanukkah season, we give you a new Ma'os Tzur, that was Porat Nov, with a uh, new, upgraded, updated, modern version of the song Ma'os Tzur, that is the melody, the words remain the same. Welcome, welcome, one and all, you are tuned to the Israel Shon the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. thank you so much for joining us on this Chanukah Tavshin Ayintet, first day, first candle of this very joyous holiday. We're we we are here each and every Monday, immediately following J M and the A M, 9 A M Eastern, 4 P M Israel time, and around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is now, that's when we are on. Write it down, jot it down. Of course, of course, you can listen to us whenever you want. Although we are live now, that's exciting. But you can listen to us whenever you want by, um, by going on demand. You go to the uh, Nachum Siegel Network archives, which are at com. Click the archives, go to the Israel Show. And on the app, which is available free, the Nachum Segal Network app, free, both on iTunes and, on and for Android, on the Google Play Store. And there, there are archives as well. You can download the show, listen to it. When you're in the car, whenever you want. Download it when you're in wireless. Listen to it in the car. Can't ask for more than that, can you? We have lots of great Hanukkah music. We like to call it the light edition, L-I-G-H-T, edition of uh, our weekly music mix, Israeli music mix, and we have lots of Israeli music. Uh, this year, we have a two-day a two day Israel show Hanukkah, <laughs> two-edition, I should say, meaning... The last day of Hanukkah is on Monday, a week from today, and so we will be back here for more Hanukkah music and celebration with you a week from now. We have to save some of the ammo. Um, It's interesting, over the last few years where the Breslov movement has grown in Israel with a lot of Balei Tshuva and a lot of them musicians, the Their Ma'oz Tzur, has gained a lot of uh, popularity and um, many, many covers. This one is from the great Evyatar Banai, the Breslav Ma'oz Tzur. It's from Haleva Ma'yan, Me'archim shivim Sha'alu Me'afar, Me'efar Ha'Sho'a, Songs of the Holocaust. I don't know why they call it that, but this is the Breslav Ma'oz Tzur. Uh, by Aviatar Barnai. My name is Mayor Weinberg, and you are tuned to today's real show on the Nahum Siegel Network. Rest of Maostso. and we have more coming up, some more in, in very um, different that's, that's the idea to bring you some different versions of MaostS and other Hanukkah music as time <coughs> as time uh, allows. My name is Mayor Weingarten. you're uh, tuned to the Israel Shand and Achim Siegel Network President George H. W. Bush, or Bush 41 as he was often known passed away over the weekend, and a lot has been written and discussed about his relationship with Israel, with the Jewish community, and and so forth, so um, a lot, uh, let's put it this way, from reading the um, many reports in the media, I, I walked away feeling like, wow, he was great, and then, in my my head, my memory told me that there was a lot of tension during George H W Bush's presidency. In fact, when his son was running for president um, w as they called him, I think he was Bush 44, many people many pro-Israel um, people were concerned about voting for him and I remember speaking to some Jewish leaders at the time and they said he's not his father and he turned out to be not at all his father he was tremendously supportive of uh, of, uh, of Israel of Prime Minister Sharon at the time and so forth um, so let's have a quick review of the mixed Um, reviews and uh, memories of uh, George H.W. Bush he did a lot of good things for Jews around the world and for Jews in Israel that has to be said and it's true he deserves a tremendous thank you first of all he had a critical role and everybody admits this a critical role in helping Israel save the Jews of Ethiopia, the airlifts that took place that were miraculous. Uh, to, to my eyes, that was one of the more miraculous examples of Kibbutz Galuyot with planes coming down into a desert in the middle of Ethiopia and um, or Sudan. I don't remember where they were ultimately picked up. And bringing Jews that had lost connection to the Jewish people since the first Temple period, bringing them back to Israel—a dream that they kept in their hearts all, all the centuries um, throughout. So, he had—I don't know what the role was—and I'm sure people, there are people who do know it, but everybody admits—and it, it it goes back to back to the time that it was taking place—that his role was a critical one and and uh, an important one in the rescue of ethiopian jews the same for soviet jews at the time um the freedom of soviet jews was not a simple matter the soviet union was collapsing but had not yet collapsed and um the role of president bush president bush 41 who passed away this weekend was uh, was very important now i'm, I'm going to read to you before we go on to the next um Item in the list, uh, something that um, Natan Sharansky put out um, over the weekend with the passing of George H. W. Bush. Um, he writes as follows, and I'm quoting: Avital, Avital, his wife, first met George H. W. Bush when she, vi- when he visited Israel in 1979 as head of the CIA, back when I was still imprisoned in the Soviet Gulag. Avital described my situation and that of other prisoners of Zion and George Bush vowed to help our cause. Years later, and mere months after my release, Avital and I met George and Barbara Bush in Jerusalem. At that point, George Bush was the vice president of the USA and I spoke with him about the situation of Yuli Edelstein and other prisoners of Zion. Once again, he vowed to help. Continues um, Natan Sharansky, George H. W. Bush kept his word. Many leaders helped the struggle for Soviet Jewry, but Bush's involvement was intense and constant. Time and time again, he supplied invaluable help and support for our cause, as well as for the operations to rescue Ethiopian Jews and bring them to Israel. These dangerous operations required American support behind the scenes, and George Bush was the one who guaranteed it. George and Barbara always cared about the people they were fighting for. We were never merely a cause for them. We were individuals they knew and cared about. And they passed this sensitivity, this acknowledgement of the individuals in their path, this ability to see human beings where others see ideas and categories. They passed it on to their son, George W., Bush. May their memory be a blessing. And uh, that's the uh, end of the quote from Turensky. You may remember that George W. Bush was very friendly with Nathan Turensky. In fact, after reading his book on democracy, <laughs> President Bush became a uh, promoter. He actually uh, very publicly recommended that people read the book, made it into a, a bestseller. So we see that... Uh, someone who is so much in the know of what, what was going on at the time of Soviet Jews, um, a, a very strong su- supportive statement uh, about his role in the Soviet Jewry movement. That was number three. Number four, um, he also was helpful, although I haven't seen it, but I, I do remember that he was helpful in... Uh, securing benefits and some releases for uh, Jews in Syria um, which was um, at the time a very very difficult situation the the small Jewish community that was still in Syria was stuck there couldn't get out and through their involvement they were able to slowly uh, leave Syria and we shouldn't forget that George H.W. Bush was responsible for reversing the United Nations' insane Zionism is Racism um, resolution. So, there you have a very wrong list with a lot of evidence of the genuine support of President Bush to Jews to the State of Israel and if it would end at that I think we would be remembering him as an amazing friend, one of the best of Israel and of the Jews there is one (laughs) very big But there is one exception to this rule, and it has to do with the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, and what happened right after that. We'll get to that soon after this musical um, interlude. This is uh, Yuval Sela. Where is that? Yuval Sela. Here we go with a brand new Ma'oz Tzur as we continue our special LIGHT light edition, light music uh, of the Israel show. Uh, So far, this is our third Ma'oz Tzur of the morning uh, of this show, I should say. Not the morning where you may be somewhere where it's actually midnight right now. What do I know? The third most sore of this edition of the Israel Show. My name is Meir Wangert. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. What is the name
2: of Yeshua? Where are you from? I will come to let the king, Mat Beah, Mitzah Ramena Beah, Azegmo, Beshir Mizmo, Chanukatamis Beah. Raotsav, Vehanavshir, Deyakon Kovri Mario, <Sanly> be cochi, be shiabu malhut ekla. Uve ado, hagedo la, oti eta sekula. Hel pao, he hozo, yodu ke vimzula. Maozo, ye shuati, lehana e le shavia. Ti go Quand je ne saurai ma va de ma m'a Lecz wino szakti na <úsica> osu Iszuati, lechana de a the power of the monkeys, the gavot, spata, Abdullah ne Zabreah Yevanim, nik betu alay, Azaimimim e khashmanim Ufamsu, khomot nik dalay, Vetimuko la <laughs> shemanim Uminota, Naosu, Yeshua ti, lechana ele Shabeya, ti combate, te filati, nezabea, Maosu, Yeshuati ti, lehana ele Shabe, ti cumbe, te nezabe.
0: Nice stuff, you Sela. That was from twenty eleven with uh updated version of the Mao Tsur words. The words are the same. I, I don't know, I'm not getting this right today, but an updated version of the melody for Mao's Tsur with the same words, of course. My name is Mayor Wangan. and you're tuned to the Israel Sean, the Nachum Single Network. We were talking about the mixed legacy of um of George H. W. Bush, who passed away over the weekend. We told you all the positive things. His uh, strong involvement in the saving of Ethiopian Jews, of Russian Jews, Soviet Jews, I should say. Um, the the reversal of the Zionism equals racism uh, resolution in the UN and um, his help with the Syrian Jews as well. Uh, we read to you from... Um, from Sharansky, Natan Sharansky about uh, the help that uh, and the warmth that that he showed um, them, Avital and Natan Sharansky and all the help that he gave uh, for Soviet Jews and for Jews that were endangered around the world and now you might ask why is that a mixed bag, well here's the here's the side that makes it a mixed bag this is a, I'm reading to you translating it as we go along here but uh, uh, from um, an article written in uh, I believe this was from Ariv where Avi Pazner who was very very close to Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir uh, who was Israel's Prime Minister during a good part of the Bush administration Avi Pazner writes a very revealing article. And he wrote this uh, officially on the 2nd or 3rd of uh, December. So that was um, yesterday, I guess. Motei Shabbat yesterday. He writes that, um, he reminds us, if you will, that in 1989, a few weeks after George H.W. Bush entered office as president, Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir was invited to Washington, which was, that's a very usual thing, that uh, Israeli prime ministers are invited to the White House a few weeks into a presidency. Um, it's become traditional already at this point to do that, and the idea is to be able to synchronize, to... to. Um, To coordinate the the policies of Israel, of the United States, to understand each other better and so forth. Well, Pazner writes that right away, not right away, but in the first conversation that they had, Prime Minister Shamir was surprised to hear from George Bush, Bush 41, a demand. That he do that he um, freeze all new Jewish settlement in Yehuda ronanaza and I wonder how many people know that because we. I would assume that we all remember that um, that was the tact that uh, President Barack Obama took in his first meeting with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, demanding a freeze of all settlements, and that created right away a tremendous rift between uh, the Obama administration and the administration in Israel. Well, here, a few weeks after he enters office, President Bush, and obviously this was not coordinated with the staffs before the meeting, demands that Yitzhak Shamir promise to freeze all new Jewish settlements. Now, Shamir had to get a. says Pazner. Shamir had to um, somehow skirt the issue. He, he anyone who knows anything about Yitzhak Shamir knew that um, he wasn't going to do this. He wasn't. He wasn't going to promise a freeze. So he said, "The settlements will not be a problem." In the future, down the road. Pazner is writing that Shamir basically was saying, when push comes to shove, if along down the road there's going to be peace talks or whatever, this won't be the issue. And that was a way of his skirting the question without giving a promise. Well, President Bush understood that. As an obligation that Prime Minister Shamir took. And when, in fact, the um, settlements, the Jewish settlements in Yehudashamur and Aza continued under Shamir, Bush was very angry. And this was a really, a very bad start to a relationship between a new president and a prime minister. And uh, Pazner says that this tension continued between the two of them throughout Prime Minister Shamir's tenure with George W. Bush in, in the presidency. And, and it, it, it showed itself. It manifests itself in all their meetings and in all their correspondences, which is it was amazing. The only time, he says, there was a thaw in this freezing relationship was during the first Gulf War when President Bush needed Prime Minister Shamir. Because President Bush put together a coalition, an anti-Saddam Hussein coalition, and he need and and part of that coalition were arab states syria egypt saudi arabia wow how times how times have changed so president bush had to make sure that prime minister shamir that the state of israel does not get involved in the war because he knew that the Arabs would only agree to be part of his coalition and he preferred to have Syria, Egypt and Saudi Arabia, three very powerful, big and powerful countries on his side than have Israel on his side when he knew that he could basically control Israel and uh, and threaten it through various means. So during that time there was a thaw but unbeknownst to Prime Minister Jamir, one of the things that the president had to promise Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Syria basically probably Saudi Arabia, was that after the war is over, President Bush will use all the power of the U.S. presidency and administration to force Israel into some sort of a peace negotiations or peace agreement. And throughout the war, when SCUD missiles were being launched into Israel by Saddam Hussein. America pressured Israel not to respond, and that hurt Prime Minister Shamir a lot. Prime Minister Shamir wanted to respond, as did many in his cabinet. But he also knew Prime Minister Shamir did. He also knew that um, he was, ultimately, he's going to be beholden to the United States, and so he agreed to the request of uh, George H.W. Bush, they sent Patriot missiles, which helped a little bit. The, the U.S. sent Patriot missiles to Israel to shoot down some of the Scuds. It helped a little bit. But uh, Prime Minister Shamir's reputation as, as a tough person, which he was, was really hurt when he uh, when he just basically backed down. Well, after the war... Israel was strong-armed into going to the Madrid conference. Prime Minister Shamir did not want to participate. The United States basically forced his uh, forced his participation. You may remember that the Secretary of State at the time was James Baker, not a big friend of Israel. Many harsh statements about Israel. He was in charge of the negotiations. He was in charge of getting Israel to the table. And... Um, Ultimately Tshach Shamir knew how to get around all the, the the things that the Bush administration was pushing for. However, there was one extremely volatile situation where the animosity between George W. H. W. Bush, the late president, who passed away over the weekend, and Yitzhak Shamir, the the late Prime Minister of Israel, where that really um, came to a head, and uh, that is this loan guarantee situation. We'll get to that after the next musical break. Uh, I do want to point out that this situation between Bush and Shamir, there was a similar um, example of this between Prime Minister Begin and, and President Jimmy Carter. There was a point in the Camp David agreements that Prime Minister Begin says he agreed to a three-month freeze of Jewish settlements in Yudasher, Moron, and Aza. And somehow, just like in this case, somehow President Carter understood that as an ongoing freeze, of course, and I, I think, again, the way I said about Shamir, if you knew Shamir, you knew he would never agree to that. If you knew Begin, you knew he would never agree to that. And yet President Carter uh, maybe unwittingly you know, misunderstood, maybe he understood perfectly well what Prime Minister Begin was saying, but twisted it to his advantage, wouldn't put it past him. Uh, President Carter claimed that uh, Begin agreed to a total freeze of Jewish settlements in Yehudan Shamron and Azar and um, Prime Minister Begin believed and said that that is not what he meant. There was never anything put down in, clearly in writing. In both uh, in both these cases, they were both based on things that were said in conversation, and uh, as a result, there was a lot of uh, animosity between Begin and Carter, as there was between uh, Bush and Shamir. We'll continue with this uh subject, and we'll share with you one of the more famous statements of uh, President Bush, who passed away over the weekend, Bush 41, his statements uh, regarding Israel, the Jewish lobby, and and so forth. Uh, this is one of my favorite most, or <laughs> very interesting take on on the classic melody, Tamar Kapsuto, um, uh, a yeah, Israeli artist, uh presented this in 2013. My name is Mayor Weingart and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network. bye Mark Kapsuto with uh, one of the, uh, I believe, nicer covers of the classic Ma'os Tsur. So as promised, we're going to now discuss the uh, <clears throat> issue that really brought the relationship between the United States and Israel to a head during the uh, administration of George H.W. Bush. Israel requested, Israel at the time was settling hundreds of thousands of new immigrants that were pouring in from the Soviet Union, and Israel needed loan guarantees, not a loan, but that the United States guarantee loans that Israel was trying to, uh, to acquire. I believe it was $10 billion. And uh, of course, we ha- Israel had support in the uh, House of Representatives and so forth. But this was coming at the time after the Gulf War where the Bush administration was trying to force Israel to come to the table and make certain concessions, etc. And Prime Minister Shamir refused to make any public concessions regarding a freeze of uh, Jewish settlements in New Shemron and Azzah. So <clears throat> the Bush administration, led by the president himself, came out publicly and said, we are asking the House of Representatives to delay the discussion and approval, possible approval, of these loan guarantees to Israel by 120 days. That's uh, not a short period of time. While Israel was struggling with this uh, huge job of of uh, settling the Olim, and his condition was, to, to renew the conversation, condition was that Israel agree that they will not put any of those olim in Yudha Aza, what they would consider over the green line. In a famous press conference, President Bush came out, made a statement saying that he felt that if we didn't postpone the discussion, it would hurt the peace initiative that he and uh, Secretary of State Baker were trying to push through, and um, he couldn't talk enough about how important this is. This is peace for the entire world. You imagine how, how silly that would look today, saying that the peace between uh, Israel and the Arabs would bring peace to the entire world. That's a joke. Um, so. Here is a short clip and and the key phrase that really caught Israel supporters by surprise in that news conference. It starts out, I believe, um, with uh, the end of his previous statement, then a question from one of the journalists, and then his answer. And uh, I'm up against some powerful political forces, but I owe it to the American people to tell them how strongly I feel about deferral.
3: Are those powerful political forces ungrateful for what you've done so far in a peace process, and why doesn't the peace argument sell with
0: them? I think it will sell, but it's taking a little time, and we're up against a very strong and effective sometimes uh, groups that go up to the hill. I was heard today there were something like a thousand lobbyists on the hill working the other side of the question. we got one lonely little guy down here doing it. So, uh, so uh, however, I like this forum better, too. I don't know. I'm not talking about gratitude. I'm talking about world peace. So you hear the questioner saying, is it a lack of gratitude from Israel supporters? Look what the U.S. did for Israel by fighting Saddam Hussein, which they didn't do it for Israel. Come on. Let's be honest. Um, How could they now not support your request for a deferral of this? And, and the famous statement, which was, there's a thousand lobbyists on the hill, and here there's just one little lonely guy trying to fight for the American people. And the connotation was that the Jews are um, all over the, the uh, House of Representatives, the Congress. There's thousands of them all over, lobbying, very effective lobby, and... I'm just one little guy. I I can't stand up to the Jewish lobby or the Israel lobby. And that really fed into a lot of stereotypes and a lot of concerns that the Jews have of being uh, depicted as... Um, not loyal to the United States, or more loyal to Israel than to the United States, and here are all these—the Israel lobby is the strongest lobby, and you've heard this canard so many times about how the 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 Jewish lobby is just uh, overwhelming, and uh, even the president can't stand up to it, etc. That was one of the high points of the tension between Israel and George H.W. Bush. Now, Avi Pazner, who, we're reading his article, a very close advisor um, to um, Prime Minister Shamir at the time. Um, so he writes that this, these loan guarantees... Were never provided to the Shamir administration, which is very interesting. I didn't remember that. Um, in fact, they were not given to Israel until Shamir lost the next election, was out of uh, was out of power, and Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin was in charge. And it was Rabin who finally received the <coughs> these. Um, loan um, guarantees from the United States Um, now he ends the article Avi Pazner does saying that the tension was so strong between the two men and I guess animosity that when Bush 41 lost to Bill Clinton which really was historic because here he won the war. Everybody thought it was a shoe in that he would become president, but the economy turned sour and Bill Clinton won the presidency. Yitzhak Shamir at that time was a Knesset member in the opposition, right? So he had no power at all already. But he made an unusually strong statement. Even though he he was very well known for being reticent to come out with big statements and so forth. He was a very quiet guy, introverted, etc. And in that statement, he made it very clear how happy he was (laughs) that President Bush lost and President Clinton won. And um, Pazner says that indicates how deep the anger and the hatred... uh, He doesn't use the word hatred... Uh, between the two was. So that gives us a little bit of a better understanding, if you will. We don't really see a lot of that in the press uh, today. We see only the positive, but it gives you a better understanding of the the gray area. The president, I think every president, is, some are more toward the black and some are more towards the white. There's always some gray, and uh, history will judge Um many years from now, um, who, who ultimately was right. Um, I am looking for the Maos of the Italian, uh, custom. And I have an instrumental of it, which I'll play now. Uh, if anybody knows of a good recording with, uh, singing, a nice recording of it, uh, please, um you can comment on the app for another few minutes, but you can um send us an email, Mayor M E I R, M E I R at com, Mayor at dot You can also comment on our Facebook page, Facebook dot com slash the Israel Show, where we will post links to the songs that we've played today, the Mao's Tzur So this is Mao's tour number five for today. It is an instrumental you can sing along if you want. You know the words. Um, it is from the Shevrachim family ensemble, the Italian custom uh, melody of Mausur. Words are the same, just the melody is uh, is different. Very beautiful. My name is Maya Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> Hopefully you were able to hum along to that, the uh, Minhag Italia Ma'oz Tzur melody. My name is Mayor Wangart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, there uh, we have very little time left. We'll just give you a taste of the fact that the uh, major political upheaval in Israel, <coughs> Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Finally, after many years of investigating, the police came to the Justice Department, advised them that they believe the police do, that there is an evidentiary basis to put the Prime Minister on trial for bribery. This is very hard to understand what that means. It means that the police are recommending to the Justice Department... That the, that the Justice Department um, bring the Prime Minister up on charges of bribery, etc. A um, couple of things. One is this is this has been an uh, ongoing vendetta against the Prime Minister by the Chief of Police, who wasn't directly involved, but was obviously involved to the extent that after years of investigations, the recommendation came down on the day, on the last day of the chief of police's term, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Now, there are those who will say, well, he wanted to clear the desk, he wanted to finish up whatever open items, but there are a lot of open items that he didn't finish up and, uh, <clears throat> and are still on the desk for the next chief of police to tackle and that in itself is a story because um the minister of interior uh, security recommended that moshe chico Edri be the next chief of police but the goldberg commission which is a public committee of four people that led by former chief justice goldberg uh, of the israeli supreme court um this is a committee that's sort of like when the senate confirms nominations of the president this is supposed to uh help advise the government whether it feels as a as an um as an unbiased body <coughs> whether it feels that a person is is can can serve ethically and morally and so forth and doesn't have any skeletons in the closet well uh, over the weekend they announced that they believe that this candidate to be chief of police, a candidate that was handed up by the government, is not appropriate. And now there's going to be a showdown between the government and uh, and the committee and their opponents and so forth. So the government of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, one that lives on on the edge with only a one-vote majority, is really having a lot, a lot of difficulties now. It could last for another few months, and maybe it won't. Uh, most people say elections around March, but you never know. I think the Prime Minister wants elections around May. One way or the other, that's what's going to happen. We're going to end off with Yochai Ben-Avi and Ayad HaShachar, who have uh, released the Ma'oz Tzur with an additional stanza, one that describes the miracles of the Jewish people's return to Israel in our day. We do that right after we say thank you so much for listening. Thanks for your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the Nachum Siegel Network staff, and my very special thanks to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network immediately following us, Yoni Pollack with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports, and then Novak now with Jake Novak. Discussing uh, issues regarding the Iran deal that President Obama's administration signed. And after that, the Great Monday Music Marathon continues. Until next Monday, immediately following JM and AM, this is Mayor Weingarten wishing one and all a very, very happy Hanukkah, wishing Maima a very happy birthday, and reminding you all that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.
2: Nae la matea, amna bea,
4: Sav and Avshi, v'yagon kochi kala, chayay meru bekoshi, v'shiabud malchut Eglon, uviyadom agdola, otzi et asegula, cher paro v'chol zaro, I'm <laughs> I am bi man who is <laughs> a man who is a
2: man man who is a man who
1: is a
4: i you the